Today's scripture is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Marielle. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Yeah, well, I'm Keith. I'm a pastoral resident here at Redemption Church. Um, is it making that funny sound? I step back here. All right. Um, I'm a pastoral resident here. Glad to be with you guys um, preaching from God's Word in John tonight. Uh, in 2012, my wife and I were on a year-long mission trip with a ministry, a campus ministry in South Africa. Um, and so we were doing kind of campus ministry. We we're uh, meeting with students who are sharing the gospel message with students at different campuses in a city called Port Elizabeth. Um, sometimes there would be some miscommunication problems. English is the primary language used in South Africa, um, but on occasion, because of my thick American accent um, and their thick uh, South African accent, we'd have some miscommunications. Uh, one prime example would be the word bed. Um, bed sounds like bad to them because uh, they say bad, bed. Um, and so, but on one, so usually it's minor, stuff like that, where it doesn't really make any difference at all to the conversation. But on one occasion, I was meeting with a student, and I sat down with him, uh, and we began a great conversation about Jesus. Uh, and we got to a point where I read from John, uh, just from a few chapters earlier here in John 10.10, 10, where Jesus says, I have come that they, you all, followers of Christ, may have life, and have it abundantly. Now, the word abundant 
this is not common vernacular here. It's certainly not common vernacular there. You know, you don't walk around and somebody says, good morning, how are you doing? It is an abundant bounty I'm experiencing today. That's not, you know, we don't normally use the word abundant, right? It's not very common. So um, I thought, hey, I'll just ask him, what do you think the word abundant means? And with all the drama, the dramatic pause that he could muster up, he's like, yes, I know this word. And I'm not even exaggerating. He probably had more pause than this. Yes, I know this word. It's when your mother and your father, they leave and they never come back. And I'm like, uh, what word are you defining? That is not abundance. Ah, abandoned. He was defining the word abandoned. And then as I was playing the word back, I was like, oh, that makes sense, because abandoned and abundant sound really similar if I say it in a South African accent. You know, and that is always, to me, you know, I didn't know really whether to laugh or cry. It seemed like he was very familiar with the concept of being abandoned. Um, but it was always just kind of a funny story about miscommunication, how you can kind of miss each other with different accents, different languages. Um, but the Lord really brought this specific uh, instance to mind as I was preparing to share from God's word today. And unbeknownst to me, he was preaching a sermon. And the sermon goes like this. Um, we are meant and we are called to live an abundant life, a life filled with joy, overflowing with love. We're meant to experience the reality of God's presence in our lives. And yet, if I'm honest with myself, and I would venture a guess if you're honest with yourselves as well, you can go the majority of your day and not even have a thought about the Lord. We can go about the mundane tasks of our lives, and uh, we kind of separate out what's a spiritual thing from what's just an everyday, regular life thing. I heard a professor once call this functional atheism, where you can go hours, days, weeks, and not even think about God. You see... We're meant to live an abundant life, but too often we live as though we were abandoned by God. God lives somewhere out there, distant from us, and he's not interacting in the day-to-day. -day. That's how we live our lives, so often. As we get into God's word tonight, it's interesting to me that this is the very question that the disciples have for Jesus is, are you going to abandon us? Are you going to leave us? What's going to happen when you're gone? Um, and I want, as you walk away from here tonight, my prayer, my hope is that you would hear me on this. You don't need to live a life like you've been abandoned. You don't need to live that life. You can instead live a life of abundance. Um, so let's pray, and then we're going to get into God's word. Heavenly Father, um, we are so grateful for the revelation of your word, um, that you let us know something about who you are, about your character as we approach scripture. Uh, and we're especially thankful for the person and the work of Jesus, that when we look at him, we see the fullest picture of revelation we could have. Um, we pray that as we approach this text, as we read the very words of our Lord Jesus, um, that they would penetrate deep into our hearts, um, that we would want more than what we're experiencing now, 
um, and that we would know that we have it already in the Holy Spirit. Um, fall fresh on this place, Holy Spirit, as we open your word. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, if you are just joining us in the series, uh, we we kind of took a break from John, and then we went back into John, and then we took a break from John, and now we're back in John. And uh, Pastor Dave spoke last week on the first half of John chapter 14, a very famous passage where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Um, but I want to reframe the context in case you forget what's going on here. Jesus has just told his disciples that he's going to die. It's the night before his death. Um, this is the final series of events are kind of starting to unfold already. Judas has already left the picture here, and the disciples are asking him questions. What's going to happen? Okay, you said you're going to die. Can I die with you? You said you're going to leave. Where are you going? You said that the, the Father is going to be revealed. Why just to us and not to the world? Can we see the Father? And so Jesus is answering a series of questions from his disciples, and really the aim is comfort. He's trying to comfort his disciples. He's trying to remind them of who he is um, so that they would be comforted when he leaves. I also want you to keep in mind as we open into this text what the purpose of the entire book of John is. It says so explicitly in John chapter 20. He says that the purpose of the book of John is that we would know that Jesus is the Christ. He's the King, the Messiah who's come. Uh, and that he's the son of God, and that by believing in him, we would have life. That's the point, okay? So let's keep that in mind as we open up the text here. Um, but I hope that what you would see is as we go through, Jesus is going to make us some promises, some comforting promises, and they're all about the Holy Spirit of God, okay? So we're going to look at three specific things. The person of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the peace of the Holy Spirit. If I sound like I grew up in a Baptist background, it is. I did. I did grow up in a Baptist background. I love alliteration. So the person of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the peace of the Holy Spirit. So let's jump in. Uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 15 is where we're going to start. Jesus is the one speaking. You might have a red letter Bible. You'll see that. Um, he says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So we have to pause right there because there's some explanation that might be needed. See, in the background that I grew up in, um, I was really afraid of anything that sounded like legalism, anything that sounded like, if you obey my commandments, then I'll love you. But I want you to be very clear as you read this, not what he's saying. He's not saying, if you obey my commandments, then I will love you. That is not what's being said here. It's the opposite. There's a foundation here. Love is the foundation if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so he's setting up a different kind of relationship. If you, if you obey my commandments, I will love you is uh, probably a relationship that many of you have experienced. Maybe you experience it in your employer-employee relationship, right? Hey, if you just get along with us, if you just kind of do what we ask you to do, we're not going to have any problems here, right? If you do what I tell you to do, I will love you, right? That's an employer-employee relationship. This is a completely different relationship. This is the relationship between a father and a son. I, a long time ago, um, I heard a pastor uh, say something that's stuck with me. He said it before I had kids, but he was describing his relationship with his kids, and he would say, uh, specifically when they would get in trouble, uh, he, would, he would look down in their eyes, he'd get on one knee, and he'd say, you know, do I love you because you're funny? No. Do I love you because you're smart? No. Do I love you because you're obedient? No. I love all those things about you, but 
I love you because I love you. And that's something that's always stuck with me. That's what he's saying here. The foundation is love. You see, there's an assumption, there's a presumption here of relationship, deep relationship. And this is the thread that's going to go through this entire, the rest of this chapter. So we need to pay attention to it because Jesus is going to repeat this phrase. If you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And what he's saying here is I'm talking to people who are in relationship with me. So he's talking, if you're in relationship with Jesus, he's talking to you. Pay attention. If you love him, obey his commandments. And then he says this in verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Um, that word helper uh, is translated a number of different ways. Does anybody have a different translation? It says a different word other than helper. Yes? What does yours say? Advocate? Are there any other ones? Comforter. Is that what yours says too? What does yours say? Counselor. See, what's interesting to me is that it seems like every translation has a different, uh, a different word for this. And it's, I think it's because it's a really tricky word to translate from Greek. Um, I don't know Greek. I'm not that smart. Um, but I looked this up, and smarter people told me about this. Uh, the word in Greek is parakletos um, or paraclete. And um, there's kind of multiple layers to what a paraclete is, which is why we have so many different translations here. Um, but at the heart of it is there's a, there's a personhood um, to the paraclete. There's somebody who is your friend, somebody who's your counselor, your advocate in kind of a legal sense, uh, somebody who's helping you, somebody who's comforting uh, you, guiding you. And what I want you to see about this is, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. He's not an impersonal force. He's not magnetism. He's not gravity. He's not the force from Star Wars, right? I'm glad you enjoyed that one. <laughs> um, he's a he. It says him, he, right? There's a comforting presence. Um, let's keep reading about what, what the parakletos, the paraclete, does for us. Um, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Um, one, of the translation, one of the commentaries that I read about this word paraclete, um, the way that it described it was a legal friend, which doesn't, it's not, obviously that's why it didn't make it into your translation, because that's kind of a weird way to translate it, right? A legal friend. But think of somebody who's always with you, um, who's always comforting you, who's always by your side, a friend who can actually help you and has the means to help you, right? They have the means to help you, both in a legal sense and here he says in the spirit of truth. So the spirit is the one who guides us into truth, helps us obey, lets us know what is uh, the commandments of God that we ought to obey. The Holy Spirit uh, is a person and he's a comforter and he is a helper. All of this replies, again, the foundation relationship, relationship with God, okay? How good of news is it when so many feel lonely, when so many feel discouraged, that we have an encouraging friend who doesn't just talk, but he has the means to actually help us. Good news. It's good news, friends. You don't have to live as though God were not with you. You don't have to live as though he were far away, as, if, as though he were distant. You have a legal friend who's with you 
all the time. The Holy Spirit is a person. That's the person in the Spirit. We're going to keep reading about the presence of the Spirit. Verse 18. Jesus, in case you have any doubt that this is what Jesus is talking about, verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. He's talking about his resurrection. Um, He's saying on the day that he raises from the dead, something is going to happen in us as God's people. In that day, the day of his resurrection, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then keep, we're going to keep going through here. Judas, and it's very clear, not Iscariot. I'm like, no, the other guy, the other Judas, um, the one who feels regretful that the other guy's also named Judas, um, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And then Jesus answers it this way. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay. So a couple key things to, to notice in here, um, Jesus says, uh, first of all, that he's going to manifest himself to us, um, and he says that we're going to know him in that day, uh, and then he also says that he's going to make his home with us in that day. Um, knowing, I think, in our culture and in our context has a certain, has a certain meaning. It means intellectual apprehension, right? I know it. I know it. Um, again, going back to the, the relationship between a father and a son, um, how much can a six-year-old really know what his dad means when his dad says, I love you, right? You can have an intellectual apprehension of it, right? Like, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. But there's something else, I think, that's being offered to us here other than intellectual apprehension. Not less, but more. Um, the way that Dane Ortland says it in the book Gentle and Lonely, he says, knowing is something holistic, not less than intellectual apprehension, but more. It's experiential knowing. The way that you know sun is warm when you stand with your face raised to the sky on cloudless. The Spirit's role, in summary, is to turn our postcard apprehension into an experience of sitting on the beach, in a lawn chair, drink in hand, enjoying the actual experience. So what Jesus is talking about here, he talks a lot about him and the Father and the Father and him and us and Jesus and Jesus and us, and it's just a lot, it seems like a tangled mess a little bit here. Um, But what he's saying is the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father and the love of the Son for us somehow that's going to be made known and real in our lives. Not in an intellectual apprehension way, in an experienced reality. There's a difference. There's a difference between a father saying, I love you, and feeling a father's embrace, right? There's a difference, like Dane Ortland says, between knowing that the sun is warm and going outside and feeling the rays of the sun on your face. I think too often we settle for intellectual apprehension. God loves me. Jesus died for me. 
Those are true. It's not less than that. But somehow, by the Holy Spirit, the application of the Holy Spirit, the reality of God's love for us is made known in such a way that we actually experience it as reality in our lives. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 5, chapter 5. He says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And this is what, he, notice this is the description of filled with the Spirit. He says this addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, the description of someone who's experienced the reality of Jesus's love for the Father and the Father's love for Jesus made manifest in their lives is joy. It's an abundance of joy. They're not cold. They're not angry. They're not bitter. They're not getting over theolo- you know, getting in theological wars with other Christians. They're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're, they're characterized by thankfulness. I think we settle so often for intellectual apprehension. How do we get to experience reality, though? It's by the Spirit. He says in verse 23, we will come to him and make our home with him. So somehow, the Father and the Son are living with you now. God is present. God is here. And if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, we saw earlier, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So you can literally say with confidence, God is living in me, which if you said that to some random person, they'd be like, what is going on with this guy, right? God is with you. He is living in you because he wants you to experience his love, the love that he has for the Father and the Father has for him. Experience reality in your life now. In a world where so many people feel unloved, where so many of us here feel unworthy, what better news could there be than you and I can experience the depth of Jesus' love for the Father and the Father's love for him as experienced reality now in your life? Do you experience that? He gave us the person of the Spirit, a helper. He gave us the presence of the Spirit, the applied love experience in our daily lives. And lastly, Jesus gives us the peace that comes from the Spirit. So we're going to keep reading here. Verse 24 says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, so he's going to, he's going to reiterate what he said at the beginning here. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Notice how... this. Notice how connected the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are. Just look at that sentence again. The helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in Jesus' name. I just want to point that out, how connected they are. Um, They will teach you, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And then Jesus says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. When he says something twice, we should pay attention. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. How does the world give us peace? When I think in a non, a not spiritual way, and I think I just want to be left in peace. <laughs> what I often mean, and this is, I love my family, hear me on this, uh, but what I often mean is I want, you're like, yeah, you know where I'm going. Um, I just want to close the doors and sit on a chair and read a book or watch a show or watch football because football season's back on um, and I just, just be left alone. That's Honestly, that's kind of what I settle for with peace. That's what I settle for. Lack of relationship is often what I think of with peace. Um, another way that people could define it is lack of conflict, lack of war, right? That's kind of what we think of when we think of peace in the world. But the biblical definition of peace has so much more to it. Um, Jesus is from a Hebrew background. He's Jewish. The word in Hebrew for hello and goodbye is the word peace, shalom. Um, side tangent, I was in Israel for one summer and the, the funniest thing happened. I was sitting and I was reading my Bible up in like a upstairs in a McDonald's in a corner. I thought no one would find me. I was sitting there and this little girl walks up and she looks at me and she's like, shalom. <laughs> um, so it's a greeting. Sorry, I just, that was a random thing I thought of. Um, it's a greeting. It's a greeting. Um, but it has the implication of, um, of what things are supposed to be like, the way that the world ought to be. That's what shalom is. Um, it's the future reality where God comes back, God is king, he is in charge, injustice is thrown out of his world, tears are gone, pain is gone, death is gone, he's ruling and reigning and he's made all things new. That's what shalom ultimately is. So our definition, our definition of peace, the, the absence of conflict or um, you know, the absence of noise <laughs> in my house, um, I think it's settling for too little. There's a reality of the future is coming and it's perfect. That's what shalom is. That's what shalom is. And so when Jesus says that um, he's giving us peace, he's saying he's giving us shalom, not absence of conflict, right? He's giving us somehow a sense of the future reality coming into now. Um, the way that Leslie Newbegin says this is he says, peace, shalom, is the essential substance of the promised blessing, which is the goal of the whole human journey. It's our, it's our destination. It's the final reality. It's given to the community, those who follow Christ, as a sign and a pledge of that long-desired consummation. What he's saying is, um, if you've ever watched a trailer for a movie, um, have you watched the movie? No, but also kind of yes with the way trailers are, right? Like they basically show you all the good parts, right? Um, if you've ever taken a taste of your dinner, like let's say you're over at someone's house and they're cooking and they say, hey, come taste this, okay? <laughs> Was it good? Um, did you taste the dinner? Well, yeah, you tasted the dinner, but you didn't have the full meal, right? 
That's what's happening here with shalom. A taste of it, a foretaste, a picture is coming in now of the future reality to come. How desperately do we need this in a world where so many are struggling with anxiety, where so many are worried about what's going to happen in the world? And I admit, this is me too. When I read the news, I think, why did I just read the news, (laughs) right? I just looked at it, and now I'm like, nothing good is happening. (laughs) Nothing good is happening in the world. We need shalom, and somehow the Holy Spirit is bringing shalom from the future into your life right now, right now. But it isn't for free. Um, It is a costly piece. Uh, The way that Paul talks about it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, he says that Jesus made peace by the blood of his cross. And ultimately, that's how this this section closes, if we keep reading here. Jesus says, you've heard me say, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, because he's going to be crucified. For the ruler of this world, he's saying the enemy, Satan, the devil, is coming, but he has no claim on you. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Notice again, I do what the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father, right? The, The relationship is there. But ultimately what Jesus is saying is the way that we get peace, the way that we get the presence of the Father and the Son living in our lives, the love, uh, the experienced reality of his love in our lives, the way that we get the comforter, the way that we get the person of the Holy Spirit is because Jesus is going to die on the cross to give it to us. See, he's not abandoning us. He's not leaving us without hope. He's leaving us the gift of his Holy Spirit, God's very presence with us. So thinking about your own life, and thinking about whether you more often live your life as though you were abandoned by God or live out of the abundance of God's love. Um, I remember the rest of that conversation with that guy. I asked him to define. I said, no, 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 it's not, that's abandoned. That's not the word. Um, this word here, and I showed him the word abundant, and then he defined it, and you can ask me what the Hosa word is for it. Um, it was hard to say, but I learned it. Um, and it means essentially more than enough, more than enough. And I want you to, to consider, are you living right now as though God were stingy and you just had what you need and you don't need any more? Or are you living out of an abundance of God's love for you in your life right now? Do you have more than enough, so much that it's overflowing into joy, into peace? Um, you don't need to live the Christian life as though you were abandoned, guys. You don't need to live the Christian life as though you're all on your own to sort it out by yourself. In fact, you cannot sort it out by yourself. You're meant to live this life with someone, with an encouraging friend who has power. You're meant to live this life with the experienced reality of Jesus' love for you. You're meant to live this life 
with a deep sense of shalom, of the way things ought to be amidst the battles that you experience right now. You're meant to live an abundant life filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus says earlier in the chapter, if you look back at verse 14, he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So I ask you tonight, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to live a life of abundance? Maybe some of you here, you're not sure if you want to put your faith in Christ yet. You don't know where you're at with him. Um, But I ask you, do you want to live a life as though you were abandoned and on your own? You don't have to. You don't have to. And for those of you who are Christians, who are followers of Christ, um, is is that the world that you're living in day in and day out? living out of your own effort, living out of um, an experienced reality that God is distant, that he's not close. You don't have to live like that. So let's pray and let's invite the Holy Spirit to fill us up as a congregation, to fill us up as individuals, that he might have his way with us, but also that we might experience the depth of his encouragement, his love, and his peace in our lives. Amen? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, There's so much uh, that the Holy Spirit does in us and through us um, that we didn't even get to tonight, but we just want to praise you uh, for sending an encouraging friend, for sending the reality, the experienced reality of your love, and we pray Fill us, Holy Spirit, that we might experience that more deeply, more richly than we ever have. Let us feel the warmth of the sun on our faces. Let us feel the the warmth of the Father's embrace. We need you, God, to be present in our lives now more than ever. And we know that if we ask anything in your name, Lord Jesus, that you'll do it. And so we ask that you'll do it. Fill us with your Holy Spirit now. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.